Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Accessing God's plan for your life. Uh, I think that if you look at what's going on in the world today, you can see that people have... Hey, Anthony. Hey, Lily from Hong Kong. Awesome. Yeah, if you haven't shared the broadcast, please share it. Uh, Please share it. Help us get the word out. I spoke to the young adults group at my church on Friday night, and I, I preached a message along these lines. And I think that what you see going on in the world today, the, the riots, you know, the people protesting, the people that have passion for what they, they believe in, is actually a result of the church failing to preach on the call of God and the plan of God for people's life. So their purpose is now misdirected into other things that actually hold zero value in this life and especially in the life to come. See, in the, you know, the 30s, the 40s, the, the 50s, the 60s, when you had fire Pentecostal preachers, if you listen to them, a lot of the times they preached on the, the fire of God and the call of God. And so as a result, there was many people that felt the need to go into the ministry because, you know, you have someone at 15 years old, 16 years old, 17 years old, uh, up until they're 30. Those are like formative years where they're they're uh, exploring why am I placed on this earth? And so, if the church doesn't tell them, if the if they don't hear from the Bible what they're called to do, they're going to look elsewhere. And that's what you see playing out on the in the world today. You have people that are passionate about passionate about what they believe in, but their their passion is misguided. Paul said concerning the Jews that were persecuting him. He said, I bear witness that they do have zeal. However, their zeal is not according to knowledge. It's misguided zeal. So I want to show you from the Bible today, not only how to access the plan of God for your life, but I want to show you what are things you can do, practical things, actionable steps that you can take from this moment onward to, to in the fulfillment, moving towards the fulfillment of that God-given destiny that you have. Because a lot of people, you know, I know because I went to Bible college. So I had people that they located, they, you know, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be this. I'm called to be a media guy at a church. I'm whatever. They, they, they located the plan of God, but they didn't know the first step to take. They didn't know what to do in the time between them identifying God's plan and then them actually walking in that plan to its to its fullest so i want to show you first and foremost how do you access god's plan and then secondly i want to tell you today from the bible because that's our that's our 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 guide if you don't have if if it's not in the bible i don't i don't really care to hear it but from the bible what are actionable steps that people took in the bible not in waiting for god's plan to unfold but things that actually accelerated god's plan in their life because, you know, a lot of people quote Isaiah when he said um, that Isaiah, uh, the Bible says that um, many, many youth will stumble 
and fall badly, but those who wait on the Lord shall have their strength renewed. They, they see that to be like, you know, if you just sit around waiting for God, you know, how many of you know we need to be patient in seasons like this? They see it as being patient for the Lord. But that word wait is not being patient. That is actually uh, a type, of uh, like a Hebrew il word illustration that shows a man, a waiter at a restaurant, waiting on his master, or waiting on his client. So when the Bible says those who wait on the Lord, he's not saying those who wait patiently and stand idle. No, you can see from the scriptures, there was a story, a parable Jesus told that there was a man who had a, a business and he went out at a certain hour and he saw people standing idle and he said to them, come, I'll hire you, come and work in my fields. And so they agreed. He went out at the ninth hour and he saw other people standing idle and he said, what are you doing standing idle? And he, they said, nobody's hired us to work. So we've just been standing here, you know, just waiting on God. And he said, come into my fields. I'll pay you what I think is, is uh, worth your work. He said, okay. Then he comes out at the 11th hour, which is what we're in right now. We're at like 11.59.59. The clock is about to hit midnight and Jesus is about to return. Hey, Pastor Francis. Hey, Frankie, Cecilia, Valerie, Suds, Kimberly. God bless you all. Thanks for joining me. And if you can, please share the broadcast and share it multiple times through the, through the stream. We reached a lot of people on our last broadcast because of faithful sharers like you. So I feel like I'm a PBS uh, public uh, announcement because of faithful viewers like you. Anyways, but for real, faithful sharers like you, it actually gets the word out. So please share, share the broadcast. Um, he goes out at the 11th hour and he sees other people still standing idle. And Jesus, Jesus said that the, the master of his vineyard said, why are you still standing idle? Has nobody hired you to work? And that's what you have. You have people who haven't been told about the, the, the call of God and they're standing idle waiting for things to happen. Well, how many of you know? You know, uh, if you just keep on waiting, be faithful at what you're doing now and uh, uh, things will just work out. Things will just work out. No, that's not how the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach things will just work out. The Bible teaches that there are things you can do to work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling. There are things you can do that accelerate God's plan in your life. Romans 12. Therefore, brethren, I urge you by the mercies of God that you present yourselves a living and holy sacrifice well-pleasing unto God. That you can prove what is that good and perfect and excellent will of God for your life. So there's things you can do to prove. There's evidence. There's, there's actionable steps you can take in accelerating God's glorious destiny. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has called for us to walk in. So there's works that God has destined for us to walk in. There's works, there are things that unless we take up the cross, unless we start to, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, unless we start to do like Elisha did when he received the mantle, he didn't go back home and, and just like contemplate, well, you know, God's called me to do this, but I'm just wondering, you know, I'm just trying to find out, figure it out, how to do it, how to get it done. Elisha didn't contemplate the call of God. Matter of fact, when Paul received the call of God, the Bible says he did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. He didn't argue with anyone. He didn't go and get anybody's opinion. When God's voice speaks, when God speaks to you to do something, man's opinion is not needed. It's not necessary. It's time to put your hand to the plow and start moving. And as you do that, you're going to see the blessing of God come on your life. 
life such as you've never seen it come before because God never uses people God looks for people to bless God's not an abusive uh, sadistic being in the heavens looking to just use people like pawns in his system everyone God called in scripture God called them they began to act on that call and then the blessing of God ushered into their way, ushered into their life that made them to stand out in their generation. And there's a lot of things that are standing out in our generation. But I believe that the greatest days of, of the church of God on the earth, the greatest days of the people of God on the earth, where the church starts to stand out, where the church starts to come to the limelight, where the church starts to be the cream of the crop, that's about to happen. That's why you see the devil. Try, he's, he's angry. The Bible says he's been struck down and come to the earth having great wrath, knowing that his time is short and his time is shorter than ever before. That's why you see the devil's wrath. He's, 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 you know, he's working his mouth like never before, trying to distort, trying to derail the train of God on the earth. But let me tell you, the devil can try his best, but his best is never enough because Jesus already said the gates of hell will will try and prevail against the church, but they will never prevail against the church of the living God on the earth. They will try, but it'll never work. They will devise a plot they will devise a scheme but it will never be able to perform it their breasts will not yield any milk and their plans the plans of the wicked will miscarry because God has already said that he, he, we as the church are destined to be above always and never beneath we're destined to be the head always and never the tail and you're part of that body you are part of the body of Christ and the body of Christ is about to be elevated and you won't be the one standing idle on the side God's going to mobilize you today into his army and you're going to see from the scriptures what are things you can do today practical, practical steps you can take today where you can accelerate that plan for your life. I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bible, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. I want you to see first and foremost that God's plan for your life is not mediocrity. God's plan for your life is not less than what you thought you could do in your natural flesh. God never calls you to a lesser level. When God calls a man, it's always to a higher level. It's always for elevation. The Bible says... Promotion does not come from the east, doesn't come from the west, doesn't come from the south. Promotion for man comes from the Lord. He lifts up, he lifts up one and he puts down another. The Bible says in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 2, he is the one who lifts up the poor man out of the dunghill and he lifts up the needy man out of the ash heap that he might seat him amongst the princes of his people. The Bible says that you once were not the people of God, but now you are the people of God. And as such, you are a royal priesthood destined for royalty. The Bible says he has redeemed us out of every tribe, nation, and tongue by his blood and hath made us kings and priests to reign on the earth. You're called to reign on the earth. Your life is not to be pitiable. Your life is an enviable life. That's why Romans 8 says, those whom he did predestinate, he also did call to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Was Jesus Christ a, a pitiable figure? Was Jesus Christ someone that was like a non-relevance non in his day? You know, he, just another dude. We don't really talk about him. No, Jesus Christ was so essential, Was made such a mark in his generation 
generation that even the 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 calendar revolves around him we have ad and we we have bc before christ and ad anno domani or donani whatever it is which is pretty much after christ after christ's resurrection the whole way we measure time is based on his life you talk about making a mark in your generation and the bible says jesus said this not me not some uh, this isn't motivational speaking this is what jesus said jesus said as the father has sent me so now i'm sending you as the father has sent me now i am sending you meaning as the father sent me to make my mark in the generation that I was in, even now, I'm sending you to make a mark in your generation where when you die, you won't cover three lines in a newspaper obituary. You look at guys like Billy Graham. When he passed away, the same procession that they give presidents, they gave to him. The same respect they give president men. Almost every living president came to visit Billy Graham's casket before he was buried. That's a life of, of impact. And that's not just because that was Billy, no. God has that same idea in mind for you. But you have to be interested in it and you have to go after it. Idle people never make a mark in their generation. Lazy people never make a mark in their generation. People that just leave things to time. Well, how many of you know, you know, uh, all things will work together. The Bible says all things will work together. Yeah, but for the good of those who love God, meaning who are following, chasing after God. David, a man after God's own heart. You look at what he, what God did through him. And Second Chronicles 69, the eyes of the Lord are looking over the whole earth, seeking one whose heart, whose heart, like David's heart was, is fully loyal unto God's purpose. When you tie... Your, when you get rid of your agenda, get rid of your plans, get rid of your dreams, and start to get on God's dreams, God's agenda, and God's wavelength, you're going to see that what you thought you had in mind for yourself is actually pitiable in comparison to God's glorious destiny that He's placed on your life. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 2.9. Listen to this. This is the Bible. But as it is written... I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deepest things of God. How many of you know, we ultimately, we don't know what God wants to do with our life, but if we'll just... We just keep on walking and everything will work out. No, the Bible says God has revealed them to us. In the Old Testament, everyone loves to quote Isaiah. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And then they just, they use that as an excuse to not diving in or attempting to discover God's glorious plan for their life. So they use that as an excuse. Well, how many of you know his ways? Are, we can never really know what he has planned for us. You know, life throws us curveballs all the time. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God has revealed His plans to us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deepest things of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely, that we might know God is interested. I want you to get this settled in your spirit before we move on. God is interested in, in uh, your discovery of his plan for your life. God desires more than you desire. 
that you walk in his perfect plan. God has a perfect path for you to walk on and he desires for you to explore and discover that, that path. And you find out that it's actually not that difficult to, to discover. A lot of people stress and you know, get, get ulcers trying to discover the plan of God for their life when it's actually not that difficult to discover. There's two ways that you can tap into God's plan for your life. Two ways that are fail-proof ways in, the, in discovering God's, God's uh, mind for you. Number one is by His Word. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, in the volume of your book, it is written of me, O God, to do thy will. In the volume of your book, it is written of me, O God, to do thy will. That means the word of God within itself is the custodian of, of his plan for your life. So if you want to discover, you know, every product, you know, you buy a television. What does it come with? It comes with a manual. And in that manual is the desired function and purpose of that television. How to work it, what it's for, everything. It, there's uh, different chapters that, that list out different functions of your television, different uh, features and whatnot. Well, in the same vein, God created you and gave you a manual called the Bible. That when you read it and delve deep into its, into its meaning, not just read it like, there's a lot of people who superficially just you know, we, they, they know the stories of the Bible, but that's not, what, that's not where you're going to get in Revelation. You get into Revelation when, like David, you start to say, my, my eyes fail in longing after thy word. Where, like David, you start to say, as a deer panteth for the water creek, so my soul panteth and goeth hard after thee. When you start to have that attitude towards the word of God, that's when things start to makes sense to you. That's when the spirit of wisdom and revelation is given unto you where you discover Ephesians 1.17. The Bible says that the eyes of your heart is uh, would be enlightened so that you may see what is the hope of God's calling in your life. God does not reveal his secrets to casual readers of the Bible. The Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which he has revealed belongs to the sons of men. So there's things that are secret in God that only a select few of individuals that are hungry after God will have those things revealed unto them. That's why Daniel 11:32, They that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The exploits come. The destiny is uncovered when you know your God. And in knowing your God, he puts a strength and an anointing in you to perform the exploits on the earth. So number one, the word of God. Jesus discovered the plan of God through the word of God. Bible says he, is, he was the word and he was the word made flesh and dwelt among us. And then in Luke chapter 4, when he came to his hometown and read the scroll that was given unto him, he found the place where it was written of him. In Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me. But Jesus opened up the scroll and he knew exactly where it was written concerning him. You look at John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the Bible, he had a scripture verse he stood on. He knew his plan on the earth from the word of God. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the ways of the Lord. Prepare his, his ways and make his path straight. That was his purpose. That was his 
That was his, uh, his reason for being on the earth. So number one, your plan, the plan of God concerning you will be discovered in searching out. Search ye out in this book of the law, Isaiah 35, and read it. And none of these things shall fail concerning you. Ezra, the, the, the scribe in the Old Testament, who was used greatly by God in the, when the Jews were brought back from Babylonian captivity in the reinstitution of the temple and the reestablishment of Jerusalem. The Bible says of Ezra uh, 7 verse 10. Ezra 7 verse 10. And Ezra set his heart or purposed in his heart to study the book of the law, to do it and to teach its statutes in all of Israel. So you have to get hungry for the word of God. You have to pant after the word of God. You have to set yourself in an explorative study, diligent study, like an explorer that goes out to explore a new land. You have to set yourself. I'm going to take this Bible and I'm going to read it as if it's the first time that I've ever read it. You can't be indifferent towards the word and then expect revelation from the word. You have to study it with passion. As if this is God's letter to you. Because it is. And then the second way you discover the, pl the plan of God is by the voice of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 48, 17. The Lord your God is he who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. Isaiah 30, the Bible says, You will hear a voice behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye therein. That's the voice of the Spirit. The, God, the Spirit of God, Jesus said, will teach you all things and will guide you into all truth. Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. God's Spirit wants to lead you. And He doesn't lead you into worse than scenarios. He doesn't lead you into worse scenarios. He doesn't lead you into less than situations. He doesn't lead you downwards. The Bible says the fear of the Lord leadeth upwards away from the snares of death. God never leads you backwards. God never leads you downwards. His trajectory, 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we behold him as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into that same image from glory to glory, by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of God is God's agent on the earth to transform your life from glory to glory, from victory to victory, from exploit to exploit. You study the life of David. He didn't go from one battle winning and then the next battle he lost miserably and he had to... Re no. Every battle that he inquired of the Lord to hear the voice of God... God always gave him the victory in that battle. He never lost. David's one of the few people that never lost a battle. Even the battle that uh, was not going well for them in 1 Samuel 30, when the Philistines had captured all their women and children, when David inquired of the voice of the Lord, the Lord gave him a strategy to go and recover everything back. God's voice, if you'll follow that voice, you will never lose in life. If you'll follow that voice, you will never gain man's sympathy. You'll only gain man's envy where people will say, show me your trick. Show me your secret. Teach me what you're doing. And that'll give you an opportunity to share the gospel with them. The voice of God. So I want to show you. Turn with me to Joshua 1. Be... 
convinced. That God's plan for you is great. Be convinced that God's plan for you is not average. Because I think that's why a lot of people stay clear from, the, uh, from seeking God. Because they think, they've heard so many horror stories of people that like brag about how things turn bad when they, when they started to follow God's plan. I mean, that's what I was talking to someone the other day. That's why people don't even go into demonology. That's why people don't even talk about casting out devils. Because the moment, the moment you start to talk about casting out devils, people tell you, well, you know, the moment you start to get into that area, you know, don't think it's going to be without consequence. Devil's going to see to it that, devil's going to see to it that things go bad for you. So you stay clear, you know. Don't ever think that you can attack the devil in that area and him not attack back. And so they don't even want to, why would you even want to venture into that subject if you know it's just going to bite you back in the butt? Because people have been wrongly taught to fear the devil. You know, I cast out a devil. Uh, we delivered this lady the other day and it seems like every time we go out in deliverance, someone in my family needs deliverance after that. It's like either a flat tire, broken down car, a sick child, whatever it is. And so, you know, don't you think that if you go out casting out devils, that you won't, you'll, you won't be prone to those attacks. You, you, better, you better bet on it that you will. And then people, no wonder there's no talk of it. No wonder nobody wants to cast out. They've seen so many Hollywood depictions of it where you have some Catholic priest with a cross and garlic approaching the, 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 the person needing deliverance. And then the demon just like pouncing on them, beating them silly. And then them, the priest just leaving saying, I don't know what went wrong. <laughs> you better get someone else to go in there because I'm giving up. And then you have a generation that's just been taught to fear the devil rather than been taught that we have total dominion over the devil. That Jesus said you'll toy with serpents and scorpions, which represents demon powers, and they'll never even harm you or afflict you. Do you ever see Jesus cast out a devil in Mark chapter 1 and then Mark chapter 2? He needed a, de a devil cast out of him because, you know, you can never go out and go on the attack against the devil without him being on the attack against you. No, every time he cast out a devil, that devil was the one. Hey, 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 hey. just tell us where to go. Just please don't send us back to the abyss. At least let us go into those pigs. Please, please. There's no contestation between the power of God and the power of the devil. The power of God, like... The, the rod of Moses when it was dropped on that Egyptian floor and the three rods of Egypt that were dropped on and they turned into serpents. It wasn't, the story didn't end with the three serpents swallowing up the one serpent that Aaron had. It was the total opposite. The one serpent that Moses carried when it, it turned, it ravished, it totally destroyed and demolished the three serpents of Egypt. What does that show you? The power of God is like a bulldozer that anything that stands in its way gets totally flattened because of the efficacy of God's power. <clears throat> if you could share the broadcast, if you're just tuning in now, you'd be a great help to me. So what was I reading? Joshua 1. Be convinced that God, God has a plan for your life, and it's not a plan for mediocrity. It's a plan for success and for greatness. Think of it. If you have a child, I have a baby boy, one years old. How many parents of you, how many of your of you parents 
are planning for the worst for your child. How many of you parents are like, well, I really hope he doesn't become a doctor. I, I hope he doesn't, I hope he's not used greatly by God. Just, you know, just that he stays under the radar his whole life. How many of you parents carry some way, uh, uh, that's your heart for your child? Oh, I, I just hope he stays under the radar. I really hope my kid doesn't make anything great of his life. Hope he helps nobody. Just stays clear of anything great. None of you. None of you. You'd be, you'd be, you need to get yourself checked in the brain if that's your heart. You have problems. You have issues. You need to be delivered because that's wrong. That's hate. And so who do you think put those plans? Who do you think put that gushing feeling in your heart when you think of your child doing great things? That's God. Because God, if you think that feeling you have towards your kid is great, how much more do you suppose God's feeling for us to succeed and advance and do great things on the earth? How much greater do you think that gushing feeling in his heart is concerning you and concerning me? Joshua 1, verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread on is land that I've given unto you. And he lists all the land. No man, verse 5, will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you, and I will not forsake you. How was God with Moses? Did Moses start off in the wilderness, and when God called him, he went back, he went to Egypt to try and do something great, and he failed miserably, and God wanted to showcase him off to the generation that you should never attempt anything great. No, when he followed and carried out God's instruction, when he wholeheartedly knitted himself with the plan of God on his life, what ended up happening? Moses became the greatest man in his generation. To the point where even God in the book of Numbers says, Moses was the most humble man and was the most faithful in all my house. And he was the most humble man in all the earth. Can you say amen? To the point where Moses now has the attention of Pharaoh. Imagine God taking, to, taking you to a place where you carry influence now with presidents and kings of nations. That's what happened to the early church, Peter and John. Fishermen, untrained in doctrine, untrained in the word of God, untrained. And yet God takes two, which the Bible says they were uneducated, untrained men, which if you study the original, it's like they were morons. And yet God takes them and they're now appealing before the rulers of their day. You look at a guy like Peter standing before kings. Paul, a guy who was just like the, the guy that carried the coats for the Jews before. When they were going to stone Stephen, he was the one that just carried the coats for everyone else. They didn't even have a place in their sight where he was actually, he, they didn't, he didn't even have enough influence to get in on the action. He stood there just carrying the, the coats as they stoned, on, they stoned Stephen. And yet God takes a guy like Paul and he stands before Caesar, stands before King Agrippa, stands be before Festus, the governor of that region, testifying, leading them, stands before Sergius Paulos, a proconsul of, of, of the Roman Empire, and turns him to the words of faith. Where he ends up believing, where King Agrippa says, hey, you're, you're persuading me to become a Christian. What do you think did that? That's why the Bible says, hallelujah. God does not consider your calling when you were called. Not many of you were wise 
Not many of you were noble. Not many of you were strong. Not many of you were great. But God has called the foolish things of this world to shame the things which are wise. He's called the weak things of this world to shame the things which are mighty, the things which are despised, the things which are not, the things which are cast away and outcast. God has called and chosen, empowered, and appointed and anointed them to shame the things which are mighty so that no man can boast in their in his presence it doesn't matter what you are now you <laughs> it doesn't matter how small you are now today will be the smallest you you will ever be as you get on board with god's plan as you hook in to god the path of the just shines brighter and brighter today will be the smallest that you ever are in the mighty name of jesus for the kingdom of heaven is like the mustard seed it indeed is the smallest of all the seeds but when it is sown it begins to grow hallelujah and when it grows it grows larger than any other tree in the field so that even the birds of the air come and nest in its branches that's what God's mind is concerning you you might be small but despise not the days of small beginnings though your beginning might be small your latter end shall greatly increase in Jesus mighty name so consider Abraham your father consider Sarah who bore you how when I called them they were just one person one man and how now I've greatly increased them so that their seed is greater than the sand of the earth there's eight million Jews in Israel to this day their seed is greater than the sand of the earth they're 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 greater than the stars of the of the of the heavens abraham such had such a small mind when he wasn't able to when his wife wasn't able to conceive he pled before god and said lord can ishmael live before you just do what you were going to do through ishmael and god said no then he said you're in a tent so that your ceiling is is covered you, you can't think great when you're standing in that tent so get out of that tent get out of that tent get out of that small mind get out of that small destiny that you have planned for yourself and look now to the stars of the heaven can you count them Abraham no I can't well even so you won't ever be able to count the seed that'll come from your loins hallelujah 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 some of you have to get out of the tent and start looking to the stars of heaven to remind you that God is great that God is grandiose that God's ways are not your ways hallelujah God's thoughts are absolutely not your thoughts. They're much greater. They're much higher. They're much more powerful. Now unto him who's able to do far more abundantly, he can do far more abundantly than which you can even ask or think or imagine according to his glorious power that is at work in you. You have the greater one that lives in you. And if the greater one lives in you, then you are destined for much greater things than you're seeing right now. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of very good courage that you may observe to do according to all that I'm commanding you to do today. Don't turn from it to the right and don't turn to the left. This book of the law should never depart from your mouth, but you should be careful to observe and do and meditate on it day and night. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Notice how it says you will make your way prosperous. That's right. It's up to you. I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. You try and do, there is a way that seems right unto men, but its end is the way of death. How be it? In the pathway of righteousness is life. 
and in its paths there is no death. And by humility and the fear of the Lord, Proverbs says, is riches, honor, and life. I want to give you, so now that you, I think we've established that God wants to bring you to a high place. Deuteronomy 28.1, if you'll diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. Let me read it. What a powerful scripture. Deuteronomy 28.1, if it shall come to pass, if you diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. To observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above. I want you to write in the comment section, high above, not far below. Serving God isn't a step down. Serving God is a step, is a, is a highway upward, is a staircase that every step of the way that you keep on following his direction is a step higher and higher. And all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. Come on you and overtake you. Come on you and overtake you. That's a Hebrew picture that shows you a lion and a gazelle. The blessing of God is the lion and you're the gazelle. That no matter how fast you try to run, that blessing overtakes you every single... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me by still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. His rod, his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy. There's like the Siamese twins of heaven called goodness and mercy. And no matter where you try to hide, when you're hooked into God's program for your life, they will chase you down and overtake you every day of your life. The devil's antics and tactics notwithstanding. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Doesn't matter where I'm at. Oh, well, you know, I, I hear your pastors that talk like this all the time. When you come here, you know, you're going to find some resistance to, to, to your preaching because, you know, uh, there, there's really a spirit in this, in this uh, region. And uh, we've, we found it very hard to break through to the people. Yeah, you found it very hard to break through to the people because you keep declaring that it's very hard to break through to the people. You know, you have people in America where you can drive down a street where there's Range Rover dealers, there's uh, Ferrari dealers, Maserati dealers, all kinds of like prosperity all around, and yet they'll say things like, you know, Say, you know, just confess poverty over their own life. Say things like, you know, it's, it's hard to get rich here. Obviously, it's not that hard to get rich if there's Range Rovers, all uh, dealers, just like two minutes from where you're at. And if there's a dealer, that means there's people willing to buy the Range Rover. You know, it's hard to break out of the mold here. You'll keep breaking out of the mold. That's why I like Ben Carson. Anyone know who Ben Carson is? The chief... Uh, a, a neurosurgeon in the United States for quite some time. Now he's an advisor to the president. He ran for presidency uh, for, for Republican primary in 2016. I love him because he doesn't, in a world where everybody's blaming everything on the color of their skin, they're blaming it on their, their, their upbringing, they're blaming it on this, and they have a litany of, of excuses as to why things didn't work for them. Ben Carson, <laughs> you got to hear this guy's testimony. Ben Carson was a black man, is a black, he's still alive, 
is a black man who grew up in abject poverty. Mother, you know, barely got by to put food on the table. And he was actually by his, I don't know if it was grade two or grade three or grade five or whatever, but in early education, his teachers deemed him stupid. They, they actually said, this, this kid is not bright. So maybe we should guide him towards some sort of manual labor job or whatever, because he, he's not going to do anything with his brain. God gave him brawn, but he didn't give him brains. <laughs> so they actually listed him as someone who's mentally unfit for success. He could have bought that lie. He could have carried that lie in his mind throughout his whole life. Instead, he got saved and asked, hallelujah, share this broadcast. He asked the Lord the same thing that was on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were Hebrew slaves in Babylonian captivity. But God gave them, Daniel 1, you can read it, as they purposed in their heart to not defile themselves with the, the choice things of the king, to not pervert their lives with the wickedness of this world. They kept undefiled, unstained, separate from sinners. And the Bible says God gave them wisdom and knowledge and understanding so that when the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, a hostile king, remember these are not preachers, these are not, you know, uh, you know, people that were labeled as great men in that day. No, in Daniel 1, they were Jewish slaves in captivity. And the Bible says when the king of Babylon interviewed them, he found them 10 times wiser than all the soothsayers, all the astrologers, all the scientists of Babylon couldn't measure up to the wisdom of God that was operating in Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. So that Daniel, it was said of him, an excellent spirit was found in him so that the king gave thought to setting him as a governor over his province. Come on. How do you go from someone being a slave to God putting wisdom in you so that wisdom, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, wisdom is profitable to direct in another translation, it says, wisdom brings success. That what we just read in Joshua 1, that if you'll let this book of the law, the wisdom of God, not depart from your mouth, but be careful to meditate, observe, and do, then you'll make your way prosperous. As they live by that word, the Bible says that they went so high in that realm that they, were, they went from slaves to governors. They went from people that had no influence to now having influence to that it, whatever law they wanted to make, that was the law that stuck in the land. So Ben Carson believed that and God rewired his brain. When you were not saved, you had every right to call yourself stupid. You had every right to call yourself dumb. I can't think this. I don't think well. I don't, you know, I have a hard time thinking, whatever. I never know what to do. You had every right to say those things. The moment you got saved, your brain was rewired to that of the mind of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was never at wit's end. Jesus was never backed into a corner and said, Peter, we really got ourselves into a jam this time. Peter, Jesus always knew what to do because of the wisdom of God. And then Ben Carson ends up becoming the chief neurosurgeon. He performed a historical surgery where he, dis he disconnected Siamese twins that were connected at the brain, at the head level. He's the one that did the surgery, like a two-day surgery, something crazy like that. He's the one that did it, oversight, and it was a successful surgery. Come on, if God can do that through Ben Carson, Ben Carson, where he went from being someone called a dumb 
dumb boy till now in charge of all the MDs in the United States. What do you think God can do through your life if you'll let him have it? All these blessings shall overtake you and chase you down. Just like Joseph, he went from the prison to the palace in one day because of that spirit of wisdom and revelation at work in him. God has a high place for you in life. I want to get to it very quickly. We're going to go through five actionable steps that you can take while you're waiting on God, which we said waiting on God is not patiently standing by waiting for things, things to happen. They're waiting on God is, I said at the beginning of the broadcast, but in case you just tuned in now, is serving God for the interests of his kingdom. It's waiting as in a waiter at a restaurant serving the clientele and the same way a client after a after a, a waiter gives him good service the client will give him a good tip in the same vein when you serve God properly and you give him your all God's a good tipper and he'll accelerate his destiny for you the number one thing you have to do number one actionable step you have to take if you're going to actualize the plan of God, if you're going to actually fulfill what God has for you on the earth, you in waiting for that to, to, to be uncovered, in waiting for... In waiting is number one, you got to win souls. You got to be a soul winner. You have to be a soul winner. Luke 13. You don't stand idle. You get to work. The Bible says, "Be uh, quit ye like men and be strong and get to work. Bible says in, in the book of Thessalonians, he that worketh not ought not to eat. So there's a work. <laughs> well, brother, I thought we were saved by grace through faith. Yeah, we are. You're saved by grace through faith. But you're saved to work. Jesus in Revelations talks to the seven churches of Asia and every single one of them. He says, I know your works. I know your works. I know your works. So God obviously pays attention to the way that we work. The Bible says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do as I say? So it's not enough just to, to say, well, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I, you know, I tick off every time the census, U.S. census or Canadian census form comes, I always click off Christian. Praise God, I'm going to heaven. That's not what it means to be a Christian. The Bible says we as Christians must all stand before Jesus Christ one day to give an account to the things which we did in the flesh. And Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain, yet to live on in the flesh will mean fruit from my labor. So there's labor. There's something you can do in the, in the waiting season, which there's no waiting season. Like I said, it, there's working seasons, and as you sow, it brings a harvest. So number one, seed that you can sow in bringing about the harvest of God's plan in your life is taking soul winning to a next level. Luke 13, verse 6. And he also spoke this parable and said, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit after, great. But if not, you cut it down. Jesus tells a parable of a man who had a, a, a vineyard, and there was a fig tree that wasn't producing. And that can be symbolic of us as Christians, believers, the planting of the Lord in God's garden. 
And the Bible says that it irritated him because he came three years and it still had not won one soul. If you're a believer and you've been in the faith for three years, four years, five years, and you haven't like actively engaged in telling people about Jesus to the point where you've at least had one person accept the prayer of the sinner's prayer, there's something that's out of check. There's, it's like, for example, if I bought my MacBook Pro and... Um, you know, it, it doesn't open up the programs. It doesn't really start up. It's not working in its original function. Therefore, I bring it back to the manufacturer to get a replacement or to get it fixed in the same vein. If you're a Christian and you're not actively engaged in advancing God's kingdom, you're not, you don't have any kingdom advancement endeavors that you're doing in your life. You're not tied into the, to, to winning the laws. There, you are out of order as a Christian, because Jesus said, now that I'm going, go, you go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, teaching them everything that I've commanded you to teach. The great, the great commission is not an option. The great commission isn't something that Jesus said you can do when you feel like it, but you know what? If you don't feel like it, if you don't feel like that's what you're called to do, then I have other things for you to do. No. These are, until you walk in God's general plan for your life, you are not a candidate to receive any instructions concerning his specific plan for your life. Until you walk in God's general plan for your life, you are not a candidate or qualified to receive any instructions concerning his specific plan in your life. It's not what, it's, these aren't things that I'm telling you that you have to do when you feel like it. These are things that every Christian has to sow on a daily basis. Zechariah 7.13 says, Because I have called to you, and Jesus gave us the call when he said, Go and win the loss. Zechariah 7.13, Because I have called to you, and you would not listen, so you will call to me, and I will not heed you. Because I called you to you, and you would not listen. When you call to me, I too will not listen. That's Zechariah 7.13. You know, we read it before. The Bible says, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And what did Jesus tell Peter in John chapter 21? Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know that I love you. Then go after my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You asked me that already. You know that I love you. Then tend to my flocks. Peter, do you love me? Goodness gracious. You know that I love you. Then make it a point to chase after my sheep. The good shepherd is he who leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Yeah, but that's the work of the evangelist. No. Ye are all ambassadors of Christ. As though God were pleading through you, we are to reconcile this world to Jesus. The Bible says we have received, we who have believed, have received the ministry of reconciliation. If you're a believer, you're in the ministry, and that's the ministry of reconciling the world to itself. I'm not saying you have to quit your job and go on the crusade field and stuff. If that's what God's calling you to do, then you got to do it. But... Everyone's called to win somebody because everybody is somebody to Jesus. I make it a point outside of our crusades, outside of what we do in churches. I make it a point to win the loss. I, when I go to my, to get my haircut, 
the hairdresser that I that I go to. It's it's a rare day that he doesn't have the gospel preached to him when I'm getting my haircut. And I don't do it in an annoying, you need to get right with God because you're going to go to hell if you don't. I don't do it like that. I just tell him, man, you should have been. In my last meeting, we had some guy that got healed of cancer. I just tell him testimonies of what God's God's been doing in our meetings and stuff like that. What God's been doing outside of our meetings. There was a lady that had a, a, a tumor in her belly. And the doctor said it, it perhaps is cancerous, but they have to do, do some more run, do some more tests, run some more tests. And so the CAT scan showed a massive lump in her belly in her intestinal tract, lower intestinal tract. And it caused an incredible amount of pain to the point where she had fever and she had headache and it just was messing her up. She was bedridden, just got up to do her basic necessities and daily things, but that's about it. She didn't go out. She didn't want to go out. When you feel like that, you don't want to do anything. So I, a friend of mine from church asked me to go and pray for her. So I went, I taught her from the gospels, what it means, what it means uh, to be saved, what Jesus did at the cross, that it wasn't just to get you to heaven, that God wants to heal you. God has a plan to provide for you in spirit, soul, and body here on the earth. And I preached the gospel to her. She, she was already saved, but then I laid hands on her and we prayed a week later. She went back to the doctor. We can't, we can't locate the, the thing in your body. It seems that you're, she had no more fever, no more stomach problems, totally healed. And they said, we still want to go through with the surgery just to see if we're making a mistake. They went, opened her up. There was like a little thing to take out. That was it. And, and totally restored, totally healed by the power of God. Because God, man has a way to heal and that's all great. I'm all for doctors, but God has the highest way to heal people. And that's by his word and through the laying on of hands. So I told, I tell this guy testimonies like that all the time. And he's ha and you can see how he's opening up to me. I, where I go to get my tires changed every season. My, uh, the guy that owns the garage, I make it a point. I led his wife to the Lord. The secretary of the garage led her to the, to the Lord, uh, last year. And now I'm working on him. I make it a point everywhere I go. I'm not, I don't just do this as an act. This is who I am. Christ is my life. He's not a hobby of mine. He's not some special interest I take to every weekend on Sundays. This isn't a career I have. I'm tired. I'm knitted in. I love God. And I love what God loves. And as a result, I take interest in what God's interested in. And the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I pray today that a zeal for soul winning, to seek first the kingdom of God and make his kingdom your number one priority. I pray that zeal, that it infects you today through this broadcast in the name of Jesus Christ. That wherever you go, whoever you talk to, that'll be your number one thing in mind. To win them to the Lord. Number two. So number one, win souls. Number two, stay holy. You got to stay holy. You can't live in sin and expect God's plan to work out for you. You have to stay holy. The Bible says, be ye holy even as I am holy. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2. Let me read it. 2 Timothy chapter 2. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. If anyone cleanses himself from the latter. So whose job is it to cleanse? You. You have to take responsibility with God in putting to death sin in your life. The Bible says in the book of Colossians, put away from yourself malicious talking, 
anger, and every other sin. Put away from yourself. That means it's up to you. You got to put it away from yourself. You have to put off the old man, make a decision to get the word of God in your heart on a daily basis, which David said, I have hidden in thy word in my heart so that I don't sin against you. God's word in, in, hidden in your heart will empower you to live a sinless life. Well, that's impossible to live sin free. There are people that the Bible says, Paul even said, not that I have obtained perfection yet, but I press on. The, meaning, the fact that he said I press on means that it's possible. The fact Jesus said that um, be holy even as I'm holy, he wouldn't tell you to do something that he didn't give you power to fulfill. You can live holy. Don't let the, this generation lie to you. Oh, it's, it's really not realistic to wait for marriage to have for sex. It's really not re realistic to, you know, run your business without cash payments and stuff. It's really not realistic to do all the, you know, everybody's doing it. They get you to just sidestep God's law to walk into man, man's uh, standards, man's, what man deems as okay. Man's righteousness is like dirty rags, God said, in comparison to my righteousness. You gotta, you gotta abide by God's standard if you're gonna live in God's blessing. If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. So you can see, if you don't cleanse yourself from the latter, your life will have no honor, it'll have dishonor. Shame, reproach. But when you make a point to live holy, the Bible says honor chases you down. Sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. So flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient. So it says flee those things and then pursue other things. Set up an environment in your life where it's hard to backslide. Set up an environment in your life. Don't keep contacts in your phone. That every time you answer the phone, they invite you to a bar, they invite you to a club, they invite you to, to do things that God's already broke. If Christ has set you free, keep enta quit entangling yourself to the same yoke of slavery for which Christ has already broke you free from. Some people, God delivers in an anointed meeting or whatever, or through a broadcast like that, and then they deliberately march themselves over to the same noose, the same cord that hung them the first time. They march themselves over to the same uh, yoke of bondage that God just broke them out of. And then they complain and come up with different theology saying, how many of you know the mountaintop lasts for a little, but then you go, no, God had a plan to keep you on mountaintop to mountaintop from glory to glory and victory to victory. Your own foolishness twists your way. But I believe God's going to put a spirit, the spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the deeds of the flesh are evident. But the deeds of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. And those who belong to Christ have crucified their flesh. That Holy Spirit came on the earth not only to regenerate and renew you, but to crucify the flesh. Crucify the thing that is an antagonist to God's plan. Crucify the thing that is in opposition to God's standards. I pray the appetite that of for sin that's still lingering in your mouth, that lure you still have towards the things of this world, it gets burnt out. 
His winnowing fan will burn out the chaff. It burns it out today in Jesus' mighty name. Number, number three. I'm going to speed through the next three. If you haven't shared the broadcast, you're just tuning in now, please share it. It'd be a great help to me. Number three, you'll never arrive at a destination joining hands with people that are set on walking the opposite direction. How can two men walk hand in hand unless they be agreed on the direction? Quit hanging around chickens and you won't end up in chicken soup. Hang around lions. You have a lion destiny. Hang around lions. Hang around people. Pursue righteousness with those who call upon the name of the Lord with a pure heart. Jonadab was a bad friend. There was a guy named Amnon in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 13. And he, twisted guy, he, he, he lusted after his sister to the point where he burnt with lust. And then uh, Am, uh, Jonadab, his wicked friend, came in and said, why do you look so sick? And he said, because I want my sister, but I know I can't have her. He said, what do you mean you can't have her? You're the king's son. You can have whatever you want to have. Go and sleep with her. Rape her if you want. So he ends up doing that. And one of them, one of them, what ends up happening? The Bible says, um, what's, uh, what's his name? Absalom. David's other son finds out about it. And he waits a little while. And then like a year later, kills Amnon because of what he did to his sister. So you can see, he that walks with the wise shall be wise. The companion of a fool will be destroyed. The Bible says, don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good manners, good morals, good people. The Bible says that um, do not make friendship with certain people, lest you learn their ways and set a snare for your soul. Don't make friendship with certain people. And in the same way as you detach from individuals, you have to attach yourself to certain individuals. Be followers of them who through faith and patience obtain the promises of God. Find out, locate people. There are people around you. Ask the Lord to bring people in your life. Mentors, people that are ahead of you in the game. That will encourage your spirit. That will fire you up. Paul said to the Romans. I long to come to you so that I can impart spiritual things into your life. Find people that carry power. Who can impart that same power your way. So that you're not left like Amnon. Some deadbeat loser. But at the end of your life. You, at the same way people imparted to you. You know, when you get impartation, that fortifies your spirit. And then there comes a day where you now can impart that same thing to other people. So you'll never arrive at a, at a destination, join hands with people determined and walk in the opposite direction. Bible says to search out people who have spoken the word of God to you and whose, whose faith has brought Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7, 7 I believe it is remember those who have uh, labored among you and consider their conduct sorry consider their faith knowing the outcome of their conduct so you look at people that are ahead of you and what it's brought brought to their life follow those people locate them and hook yourself up with those people just like the devil has anointed servants God has anointed servants 
Just like the devil has people that will, he'll try and get around you for your demise, for your destruction. God has people that if you'll ask him to open, some of them are even already in your life, but your eyes aren't sensitive enough to see them. But as you open up your eyes, God opens up your eyes, you'll locate them. And therefore you're rising. Number four, stay joyful. Deuteronomy 28, 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything he's given unto you, then it'll come to pass, he'll send a nation against you and, and uh, they'll put a yoke of iron on your neck until you're utterly destroyed. You have to stay joyful. You can't be a complainer because God is repelled by complaint. You cannot complain. God is repelled by, the Bible says, neither murmur as some of them murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. You have to stay joyful. You have to stay like Joseph, even when he was in the prison. He knew God was going to turn things around. Like Acts chapter 27, Paul is shipwrecked three weeks, and yet God sends an angel to encourage him, and he gets up and he says, I know that it shall be exactly as I've been told. There will be no loss of life. He carried joy, and that joy was infectious. It got into the rest of the people and encouraged. The Bible says, and they began to eat again. Because they, you know, when you're depressed, you don't want to eat. You lose your appetite. Carry joy. Joy is a key ingredient for the fulfillment of destiny. Neither sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then number five, and I'll finish with this. You need to call those things which be not as though they were. Romans 4. Even God who gives life to the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. You got to keep on talking. Abraham, Abram, no longer call yourself Abram. Call yourself Abraham. Because Abram meant exalted father. And as long as you keep referring yourself to that, as that, you'll never arrive at what I've called you to be, which is the father of many nations. So change the way you talk. Stop talking mediocrity. As a man thinketh in himself, so is he. If you think you'll never get be great, if you think you'll never do anything great, if you think you'll always be below, you'll never, you know, you'll never amount to anything worthy. If you keep thinking, oh, I'm just a wretched man. Paul said when he was not redeemed, he was a wretched man. But now, you know, you keep talking like that. Jesus now lives in you. So the way you talk about yourself is really the way you're referring to Christ. Because you're no longer alive. Christ lives in you. And you've, been, you've put on Jesus Christ. So the more you talk about yourself as, uh, you know, dumb. I, I can never do anything great. Uh, you know, it seems like nothing ever works out in my family. You know, we're pretty out of the radar people in our family. You know, we... You keep talking penury. You keep talking ill thoughts towards you. You'll never arrive at God's destiny. But instead, if you'll start to talk, the way David talked. You'll start to talk the way uh, Peter talked. You start to talk the way Jesus talked. You start to talk and declare that even though men say there's a casting down, there's a lifting up for me. For as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. If we're willing and obedient, God said we're going to eat of the goodness of the land. That just as I was called, I was justified. And just as I was justified, God has glorified me. God has a glorious destiny for me and my house. 
The Bible says, if I fear God and keep his commandments, even my children will be blessed and the generation of the upright will be mighty on the earth. And the Bible says the upright will be steadfast. They'll never fear evil tidings and the wicked will only be able to see God's plan unfold for their life. And they will wax, they will melt like wax and they'll grind their teeth at it, at them, not being able to do anything about it. You just keep on talking like that. I'm going higher. No matter what coronavirus tried to bring on the earth, I'm going higher. I'm expanding. God already said that he will increase me more and more and not allow me to decrease. You have to call those things which be not. That's why I always do. I, where I'm at now, I can't, I can't, we're not like funding crusades to pack out stadium, but I know that's what God showed me in my spirit. That we're going to pack out stadiums all across the world. And so I keep speaking that. I thank you. I, I, I thank you, Father. That though we're at this level now, I see stadiums packing out for the glory of God. I see millions coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. I see a final great harvest coming in before Jesus returns. I see us increasing and growing and multiplying. Abraham... If you'll walk thou before me and be blameless, I'll multiply you and make you exceedingly great. I see greatness ahead of me. I lost, I dropped hands with smallness. The Bible says in Jeremiah 30, that if you'll keep the voice of him who makes merry, meaning if you'll stay joyful, Jeremiah, let me, let me read that. Jeremiah 30. Jeremiah 30 and verse 19. Then out of them shall proceed thanksgiving and the voice of those who make merry. I'll multiply them and they'll not diminish. I'm anointed to multiply. I'm not anointed for decrease. I'm anointed for growth. I'm not anointed for decrease. I will glorify them and they will not be small. There are no small plans here. Only great plans. Only plans for increase. Only plans for greatness. Only plans to scale new heights. I'm a tree firmly planted by the rivers of God. In every season, I'm producing greater fruit than the last. And there's no dry season for me. Hallelujah. You got to call those things which be not you got to declare us thou that thou mayest be joy, uh, may be justified. Quit talking the way the devil wants you to speak because a man will have what he say. Instead, talk God's plans. I'm God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus, prepared for good works. That John, uh, Matthew eleven eleven says, amongst all those born of women, there was none greater than John the Baptist. Yet he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Meaning Solomon in all his glory and whatever God did through him, that's the least that I'll ever be. That Daniel, as great as God was in Daniel, as one who's been born of the kingdom of God, Jesus already said, he that is least in the kingdom will be greater than Daniel. That my destiny in scope is unlimited. There's no limitations with God. 
The only limitations that we have is our own unbelief and doubt that God said who he said he was and that he'll do through us what he said he'll do. So I said it before, without walking out these five general commands, you'll never have access into his specific commands. But when you start to take action and do these things on a, and sow these actionable steps in your life, You'll reap God's specific, everything will be, will be clear. And you'll have that peace which surpasses all understanding because you know that you're doing everything God has commanded you to do, to do at this level that you're at right now. And I'll give you one more actionable step and that's you need to get saved. If you're not saved, <laughs> if you're not saved, Jamar, it's um, number one, you need to win souls. Number two, you need to stay holy. Number three, you need to mind your company that you keep. Number four, you need to stay joyful. And number five, you need to call those things which be not as though they were. Don't talk about where, you're, where you've come from. Well, you don't know where I've come from. Talk about where you're going. And then number six, I'll say, for those watching, you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to get saved. You need to make Jesus your shepherd if he's going to shepherd you. <laughs> you can't be a wayward sheep and expect to, to be on the path where the shepherd's leading. The Bible says, he, he who follows me will be honored by my Father. You have to, follow, you have to pick up your cross and follow him. And you do that first and foremost by getting saved. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've disconnected from the sins of your past and of the world where, and where you've connected into God? Has there ever been a time where you stood before a holy God and said, Lord, I know I haven't made it and I repent today of all my sins. I'm choosing your way. If not, you need to get saved. And then number two, if you have made that decision, but you've been indifferent, you've, you've, you've been apathetic, you've, you've strayed, wayward, you've, you've uh, gone your own way, you, you once lived on fire for God, you once lived reading your Bible, praying, you knew that you were walking in God's will, but now you feel like the fuel has been ripped out of your tank, that you have no more oil, you've been, you've been made lukewarm. It's not too late. Like the prodigal son, you can come back. And God won't have to make, He won't make you jump through hoops. You won't have to go through 10 steps to get back into His love. No. The moment you decide, I'm going back. The moment you decide, I, I, I've screwed up and I'm going God's way. The moment you decide in your heart to rededicate your life to God, God, when you draw near unto God, God said, I'll draw near unto you. And when God draws near, it always works out. So if that sounds like you and you'd like to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life today, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you this day. I believe in my heart. God raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Come live in my heart where I was weak. Make me strong. Turn my life around. Let old things be past. Let everything become new. In Jesus' name.
Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to go on our website, salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Fill it out. Salvationnow.ca. I just got saved is the first link that pops up. Fill it out. And I'd love to get some material to you free of charge, free of cost. We pay shipping, handling, and everything. Also, let me pray for everyone watching now. Now that everyone's gotten saved, if, if you're watching on the replay, just pray with me. I'm going to pray that uh, God will give you power to live out these things. And then also open your eyes to His specific instructions concerning your life. So that you'll never miss His assignment over your life. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray according to the spirit of revelation open their eyes to see the wonderful things found in their in your law open their eyes to see your their glorious destiny in christ open their eyes to see what it means to be a partaker of every spiritual blessing in christ jesus that they can't put you first and end up last in jesus name i pray that as they carry out your, your general instructions, would you make their specific instructions clear to them? Those that are seeking instruction and, and the, the way to go concerning their job, concerning the direction and the, the decision that they have to make in their life. Even now, I pray, as you led the Israelites in a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, you made it evident to them, make it evident to your people here today. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to give today, you know, when you're talking about uh, direction and, you know, I don't know where to go and whatnot, or, or guidance concerning specific things in your life, well, when it comes to guidance concerning your finances, you need to put God first in your finances. And the Bible says in Romans 11, if you make the first fruit holy, the whole lump will be holy. Meaning if you render unto God's, God what belongs to God, just like uh, Peter, he, when, Peter, when Jesus needed to preach the gospel to, to a certain amount of people too much for his voice to carry, he had to go towards the sea and he rented G, uh, Peter's fisherman's boat. So Peter agreed to lend him, which, you know, that's, that's sowing into the ministry of Jesus. And when Peter agreed to do that, it was after he agreed to do that, that though they had toiled all night and had caught nothing, they had fish, expert fishermen couldn't catch one fish. Yet when they put God first in their finances by lending their boat to Jesus' purposes and, and ministry, the Bible says that when Jesus turned around, after finishing his preaching, he turned to them and said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Peter said, Lord, we've, met, we've toiled all night, but have caught nothing yet at your word. Will do as you say. And when they this they had this done, they caught such an innumerable amount of fish, they couldn't even bring it all in. They had to they had to flag over their partner boats to come in, and their boats began to sink because of the weight of the fish. Hallelujah! So you can take actionable steps towards increasing the finances that you deal with, and we've done it. And I can tell you, every year in this ministry, our giving has increased, and our harvest has increased. And the more we keep sowing, the more co comes in. And the more that comes in, the more we can sow. And we're giving more than we've ever given in any other time. And we're taking in more than we've ever taken. Why? Because there's a law of seed time and harvest. That is a, a divine law of the universe. That when you act it out, when you actually take the step of faith in doing your part, 
The Lord of the harvest does his part. You are supposed to give tithes first before paying bills? Yes, absolutely. I would rather tithe and give what, to, what belongs to God and, and stay without electricity because the Bible says in Malachi 3, you've robbed me now in this, the tithes and the offerings. And so there's a curse that's come on you. And the devourer keeps eating away. You'll actually never have enough to, to pay any bill as long as you withhold what is justly due unto God. And this isn't me trying to twist your arm into giving an offering here. You give an offering here. You give an offering wherever the Lord leads you. I'm just trying to teach you what the Bible teaches, the principles of the Bible that a lot of ministers have neglected. And as such, we have a generation of impoverished paycheck to paycheck Christians, which is not God's order for his children. You're, you're part of royalty. Do you ever see Prince Harry having to put up a GoFundMe account because he needs, he needs a, a repair on his house? No, he's part of royalty. And God already said, all the silver and all the gold belongs to me. And as his children, you have access to that thing. But there's, there's things you have to do. To, just like I go to an ATM, put my card in. If I don't know the pin, then I can't withdraw any money. In the same vein, we have a, a, a great reservoir, a, a, an account of the resources of heaven at our disposal. But there's a way to tap into that. And the way you tap into it is through your giving. It's through your giving. So if you'd like to give today, uh, I'd thank you in advance for standing with us. We, we thank, you know, there's a lot of people who've come on board for monthly partners and people who have given, given one-time gifts and whatnot. And I thank everybody for, for standing with us as partners. We love you all. If you'd like to do so, you can go to salvationl.ca slash give salvationnow.ca slash give and um, I want to thank you in advance for doing so I always pay, first pay my and then pay my bills there's no other way that's right if you try and live off 100% it'll never be enough if you give to God your 10% and then your offering whatever that is 90% will always be overflow for you it'll always be overflow if you try and live because what happens is is when you give God that your tithe and your offering, you then commit him as a partner in your life concerning your finances. And when God becomes, just like, for example, you have firms, big mega firms that have three different, you know, they have a, they start off one guy, but then he ends up recruiting another partner that has a big name. When that partner comes on board and his name is like, for example, if, <laughs> if you had a company and you had uh, Elon Musk come on board as a partner, he brings his resources, his power, his checkbook, everything else. That Elon, all his power, all his, his contacts come with his partnership. In the same vein, when God partners in your finances, his resources, his power, his everything, his silver, his gold, everything that God has now is available to you because he's a signed partner in your life. And you do that through tithing and through offering. Look at that. I've seen God's provision in tithing first, naturally and spiritually. Absolutely. If you're looking, you know, I titled this, how do I find uh, accessing God's plan for your life? A lot of people, what keeps them out of God's plan for their life, and I've seen this at Bible college, is lack of finances. And finances, it's amazing how you have people that um, they'll like bash people, preachers that talk about money. But then when they get down to pray, all they pray about is money. 
It just bombards their mind. Jesus said, you're not to worry about your life as to what you'll put on, nor about your body as to what you'll eat. These are the things that occupy the, the minds of sinners that aren't my children, but they shouldn't occupy your mind. But because the body, you know, Paul said, I didn't withhold anything that was profitable to you, but I declared it to you plainly from the word of God. Because this, this doctrine has been withheld, because this, these principles of giving and receiving have been withheld in the body of Christ and have been labeled as heresy, you have a, a generation of believers now on the earth that are bound financially and that's what occupy, that's what bombards their mind. You hear how they pray. It's always about providing. It's always about prayer. God, you know, it's actually unscriptural for you to ever pray once about money. It's unscriptural. You should never pray about money. It's unscriptural. There's never a point in the Bible where someone, uh, where, where an, one of the authors of the Bible, one of the writers of the Bible ever gives out an instruction or a, a lesson on how to pray for your finances. It's not found anywhere in the Bible. You have to, the only way to break out of poverty is by giving. That's why Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because when you give, it comes back to you, shaken together, pressed down, falling over into your lap. Malachi 3, see if I will not open up to you the windows of heaven. That means there's open heavens on certain people that have applied this law of seed time and harvest. And then the heavens... It doesn't mean if you're saved, the heavens will be open. No, you can be saved and still struggle financially. Just like you can be saved and still struggle in your body. But if you'll apply Bible principles, you'll be a candidate to receive Bible promises. So give today what represents an offering of faith. And, and God will, I mean, I can tell you testimony of testimony. Of, of what God has done for us. Man. I, I, I sold once. I had nothing to give. And I sold, uh, I sold my iPhone. This was in 2012. I had nothing to give. I had $11,000 of debt. So I was in the reds. And I sold. This was, I had just gotten saved in 2012. And so I had accumulated a bunch of debt because of my former life. I sold a $300 seat from my, whatever I sold my iPhone for. Put that on the altar of God. And I said, I quoted, Lord, you said in John 16, 23, that if anything causes us sorrow, we can ask in your name and our joy will be made full. For, you can ask in, the, in my name for that thing to be removed and your joy will be made full. This debt is not, sin is not, uh, death, debt is not sin, but it's a weight that so easily entangles you from following God's plan for your life. You know, you have a vision in a dream to do something great for God, but then all you can think of is that $40,000 student loan you have <laughs> and how you're going to have to work just to pay that off. It's going to delay God's program for your life. But if God clears that debt, now you can focus on things that actually, you can actually put your hand to the plow and start working on things that actually matter. Seek first the kingdom of God where you're not struggling just to believe God to put food on your table tonight. But now you have an overflow. You're actually, Lord, show me people that I can put food on there. Where you're at a restaurant, instead of believing God for your $8.65 to pay your meal, you're like, Lord, show me certain families in here that are struggling, that what I used to struggle with so I can pay their bill off. So at the end, and then when they come to you and thank you at the end of their meal, oh man, that's so kind of you. What made you do that? 
because I'm a Christian and I love you and God has a glorious plan for your life. Jesus died for you and you can just preach the gospel. Where you, you don't have to tip 3%. You can, you can tip well and above 20%. And then the waitress comes back to you off a $30 meal. You tipped $100. And they're like, well, what, what, what possessed you to do that? Because I'm a Christian. And then you have a bunch of waiters across America and Canada. They have a bunch of Christians coming in, tipping in the best. What do you think they're going to say when the media tries to put Christianity in a negative sense? No, no, no. no that's such a lie about Christians. Christians are actually the most generous. That's a lie. They're actually the most loving people. By this, the world will know that you... That you're my followers by their love, by your love for them and for one another. So we sold three hundred dollars, went back to my seat. The next week, someone came up to me and said, "We heard you had debt. We'd like to clear that ten thousand, that eleven thousand dollars. I had ten thousand of a line of credit and one thousand in Mastercard, Mastercard bills. We'd like to clear that all out, and you don't have to pay us back." Praise God! You know that that was a miracle in itself. I would have been happy right there. But you remember. The Bible says 30, 60, and 100 fold. So 300 times 100 is 30,000. Within two months, so I was scheduled to go to Bible college in January. I had given in November. Within a month, sorry, not two months, some two $10,000 checks came into my hand. And I, it's not like I was putting out letters to people at my church, handing out letters, hey, if you consider giving to us. No, I didn't give out one letter. All I did was uh, put a demand as I sowed my seed. I said, Lord, you, this is my debt. And then also I had Bible college, which was uh, $18,000 at the time for the year. And I didn't want someone to pay for me. I wanted to go and, you know, do whatever I had. I wanted to pay it myself. I didn't want to be, huh? God called you to be a king, not a beggar. Two, th two, uh, two $10,000 checks came in by the time I was in Bible college. So I had an, enough money to pay my debt, to pay my Bible college, and then with $2,000 left, to buy all my books, to buy myself an iPod that I used, iPad to, that I used to do my notes, and uh, I bought myself a new guitar because I like playing the guitar. And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. So I just want to encourage you today. You know, like I said, whether you give here or not, it's not, I don't want, I want to encourage you that there's a way out. You don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. It doesn't have to be like the employer hands it in one hand, goes to the other, and then you don't even see one dime to your, <laughs> to your own name. You can live in overflow. You can live. I mean, that little boy with five loaves and two fish brings his lunch to Jesus. Jesus multiplies it, 12 basket full uh, of the fragments that remain. And he gives it back to the little boy. That boy sold a little lunch and he ends up bringing back a business. I'm sure his parents, came, when they saw him come back home, they're like, where'd you get all that? Did you steal? Steal? No. I actually gave my lunch to this guy. He gave it and he, he multiplied it all and this is what I got back in return. <laughs> when God asks you to sow a seed, he always has a harvest in mind to bless you back Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.